season's going to end on a double doink. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. There's going to be a parade on Broadway. And your hosts, Brendan Deeg and Eric Warner. Hester's going to take it all the way for a touchdown. Hello, football faithful. Welcome back to another episode of the Double Doin Podcast. My name is Brendan Deeg. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It would be greatly appreciated. If you can also rate the podcast and review the podcast wherever you do listen to your podcast, it would also be greatly appreciated. My co-host, Mr. Eric Warren, he is obviously with me, and we are happy to be joined by Todd Furman, host and co-founder of the Bet the Board podcast and analyst for CBS Sports. Todd, how are you doing? I'm doing very well this afternoon, gentlemen. How are you boys holding up? We are doing well. Thank you so much for joining um, I guess we got to start here. Um, crazy news out of Las Vegas. I know you're a Las Vegas guy. Um, what's been kind of the buzz around uh, buzz around the city after the news of John Gruden being or you resigning? Know, you know, honestly, guys, I think it's more shock than anything else. Uh, I don't think anybody really anticipated that this probe into the Washington football team would yield these kind of results and take casualties along the way. I mean, in no way, shape, or form do I condone those emails and some of the subject matter that was in there. Uh, but you didn't think the Raiders were going to have to react to this kind of situation. They become collateral damage. And I think it's an organization now that has to figure out what direction they want to go in next because you had a young roster that was more than capable of competing. They've exceeded expectations out of the gates. And suddenly here you are uh, basically naming a special teams coordinator as your interim head coach. So we'll see if Derek Carr can rally the troops uh, and the Raiders can put together a dark horse campaign to be relevant, not only in the AFC West, but the AFC overall. Right. On. I had a quick question just about handicapping in general. I find that this season I've been maybe looking at the injury report too much. Like last week, I was waiting all week to decide on Chiefs or Bills. And once Matt Milano was ruled out, I said, oh, how are the how are the Bills going to stop Travis Kelsey? So I basically bet the Chiefs because of one injury. Do you find that you are looking at the injury report more this year or less? You know, it's all kind of the same, and that's one thing, having done this as long as I have in the National Football League, working behind the counter and trying to stay one step ahead of it versus now trying to beat some of the numbers that get hung. I'll kind of go through a process. So when the first practice reports come out on Wednesday, I'll see if it meshes with some of the things that came out of the wake and the aftermath of a Sunday game and gradually monitor some of those guys' status as you lead up to the inactive list that typically comes out Sunday morning. When you're talking about players, and it's always a challenge to try and assess the value of individuals. We've seen it with the Minnesota Vikings. They haven't really missed a beat offensively without the likes of Dalvin Cook. You mentioned Matt Milano and how valuable he is as far as a coverage linebacker for Buffalo. And that's where some of the challenges come in. It's figuring out, hey, look, this injury I don't think is reflected enough in a point spread, whereas this one is overcompensated for. And we have the perfect illustration uh, coming up this Sunday night when the Seattle Seahawks will go on the road to Pittsburgh. We all know Russell Wilson is out, and this is where you have to sit there and try and quantify the impact of his absence 
because Seattle would have been a field goal favorite if Russ was out there. Meanwhile, now you see this number continue to slide out. Pittsburgh in that four, four and a half, even five range. And, you know, is Russ worth more than a touchdown? Uh, I guess we'll find out at Heinz Field under the bright light. So, Todd, I was a guy that was very low on the Cincinnati Bengals going into this year. I actually bet that they're under, their, to- their team win total under. I got six. It was six and a half on other books. I was that confident that it was going to be below that. They get off to a three and two start. I was also predicting a Zach Taylor firing. What do you make of the Cincinnati Bengals so far? I think it's showing what Joe Burrow means to this franchise. When you look at some of the rookie quarterbacks, we know there's always going to be a learning curve. But Joe Burrow takes command of that huddle. And it's a young roster with a ton of flash and dash on the outside. Arguably one of the league's best receiving cores with the addition of Jamar Chase. We're seeing him put up rookie numbers that we haven't seen since Randy Moss was in the league. And you throw him into the mix opposite T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I know T. Higgins has missed some time. But suddenly they look formidable and capable of putting up points, you know, with a pretty rapid pace. Meanwhile, defensively, that's the big question. The Bengals have spent a ton of money to try and build up that defensive line and address some of their deficiencies in their secondary. The linebacking core, I think, has been a pleasant surprise when you look at pro football focuses rankings. I mean, Logan Wilson headlines that group, but other guys have played well above their skates. But I kind of had the same mindset. I thought this was going to be, you know, the third or fourth most talented team in the division. Didn't have a lot of belief in Zach Taylor. And watching him handle the endgame situation against Green Bay, I'm not quite sure I still have a lot of faith in Taylor, uh, but this will be a fun team to watch. And I'm curious to see how they're able to bounce back from a little bit of heartbreak against Green Bay against an inferior team this weekend in the Detroit Lions. So before the season started, the Kansas City Chiefs were one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They're still up there, but their odds have dropped. They're currently sitting at plus 750 over uh, with our friends at CoolBet. Do you think there's value in that? Or do you think that there's serious problems that the Chiefs won't be able to overcome? I think rather than tying up my money at a price like that, a plus 750, I'd want to see the Chiefs get right on the defensive side of the ball. And I'd feel much more comfortable taking a worse number in that plus $5 or plus 550 range, feeling confident in my investment. Because I think oftentimes where there's smoke, there's fire. And we'll see Kansas City have an excellent chance to get healthy offensively uh, against an overrated Washington football team defense this weekend but when you look at some of the yards per play metrics I mean Kansas City has historically bad I mean Josh Allen and his completed passes was averaging north of 20 yards and it wasn't even though there were Kansas City jerseys in the general vicinity so I want to see the Chiefs kind of figure some things out there we have a lot of confidence in their offense but Patrick Mahomes is making some uncharacteristic mistakes and I'm not necessarily just grading him uh, on a high interception number early on because a couple of those haven't been his fault but he seems much more eager to take off from the pocket, almost as though he doesn't trust his newly developed uh, and a lot of fresh faces along that offensive line. So I don't think the Chiefs, you run to bet at plus 750, especially knowing that they're going to have to go out on the road. And it could be a daunting task when you look at you know potential road games against maybe the Chargers, the Browns, or of course the Bills, just to get to LA and buy for the Lombardi Trophy. So the defending Super Bowl champions go into Lincoln Financial Field to take on my Philadelphia Eagles. On Thursday Night Football, spread is currently six and a half um, from our friends at Quebec Canada. Uh, Todd, who do you like in this game? Any other bets? Maybe some prop bets you like? What are you thinking about tomorrow night's game? Uh, You know what? This is a tough spot because I think when you look at Philadelphia, so much of what they want to do offensively is operate out of two tight end sets. And with Dallas Goddard's status up in the air because uh, he's been labeled on the reserve or put on the reserve list, excuse me, you wonder how Philadelphia goes out and attacks. You're not going to have the luxury of running the football against this Tampa defensive front. 
Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell were kind of afterthoughts, even in their Monday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys. And you look at Philadelphia defensively, uh, they played well last weekend, exceeded some of my expectations. But when you have a lockdown corner in Darius Slay, it's easier to neutralize one receiver in the form of DJ Moore than it is taking away all of Tom Brady's weapons. I think Tom's thumb injury is being a little bit overblown. He finished the game against Miami. But you do wonder when he comes out early in the game, you know, how accurate he'll be. My lean would be towards Philadelphia at seven or better, but I don't think as it stands right now, uh, it's a game I really intend to tangle with. So the surprise team in that, I don't know if you would call many, everyone would call a surprise, but the Arizona Cardinals are five and oh, and they're still currently sitting at plus money to win the NFC West. Do you think they can keep this up? I mean, this is a talented football team. There's no doubt about it. When you look at what they have as far as some of their offensive weapons, they went out and they bolstered their backfield. So now they have a true thunder and lightning tandem in the likes of Chase Edmonds uh, alongside James Conner. We know Kyler Murray is about as dynamic a passer as you're going to find. And they have a wealth of riches in terms of the wide receiver position. But I think the biggest question when you're trying to make a case for Arizona amid their hot start, do you trust Kyler Murray to stay healthy, which is always a $100 million question with a mobile quarterback. And do you believe that Cliff Kingsbury can make the adjustments down the stretch to let this Cardinals team stay one step ahead? One of the things we've seen from Arizona the last couple of years is they start out relatively quick and they peter out as every other team starts to round in a form uh, in their quest to make the playoffs. I think this division is too tough from top to bottom. Uh, I don't write off the 49ers, even though they'll be without Jimmy Garoppolo for a few more weeks, most likely. And I think the Rams, when you look at Sean McVay, uh, this is a team even being a half game behind Arizona as far as the tiebreaker is concerned that I won't ignore either. So I can't bet the Arizona Cardinals can't endorse that. I do think, you know, they'll have an excellent chance to make the playoffs. uh, But at the same time, uh, I want to see it before I necessarily believe in it and more importantly, invest in it. All right, Ty, one last question before you go. Week six slate coming up in a few days. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've taken a deep look yet or if you have any early leans, but uh, what do you like so far? If you can uh, squeeze in one more pick before your podcast to the Double Dog listeners, that'd be great. Yeah, when you know you dive into some of these numbers, uh, I think a total that's a shade too low at 43 would be the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I know people aren't going to be reluctant, or excuse me, eager, I should say, and they will be reluctant. So I guess I got that right, just didn't phrase it the right way. Uh, to try and bet Davis Mills over in anything. But this is a Colts defense that got really banged up, and you saw them give up yards in chunks against the Baltimore Ravens in that fourth quarter comeback. I think Indy's offense can also have some success at one and four. This is a team that can open up their playbook a little bit, take advantage of Houston. And, you know, when you don't have two lockdown defenses on display, it only takes, you know, one big play here or there to put a game over the total. So when I look at this number at 43, right on a key number, uh, I'm going over in a divisional matchup between Houston and Indy. Todd, you're the man. Thanks so much for doing this before you go. Why don't you plug in anything you want the listeners to take a look at? Yeah, Bet the Board podcast. Uh, hopefully it becomes one of the first stops along the handicapping journey. We do uh, NFL editions every Monday and Thursday. Monday, of course, will preview the Monday Night Football game, but also recap some of the things we saw in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thursday, we try and break down the five biggest games of the upcoming weekend with special focus paid to both the Thursday and Sunday night primetime matchups, along with the three biggest on Sunday, offer a little bit of a best investment. And for the college football enthusiasts out there, we do a Wednesday show as well. But more importantly, uh, new to bet the board this year, we're doing a Friday pregame show, uh, thanks to our uh, loyal sponsors and partners. And, you know, that is available at noon Eastern on the bet the board YouTube channel. So four ways to get all sorts of bet the board content in addition to the written articles meant to make you a better and more sophisticated handicapper as you continue along this journey. Thanks, Todd. Really appreciate it. 
Hey, best of luck this weekend, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. That is Todd Furman, again, co-founder and co-host of the Bet the Board podcast and analyst for CBS Sports. Just a reminder, today's episode is sponsored by CoolBet. CoolBet is the most transparent gaming company in the world. CoolBet also provides the best odds in Canada with world-class customer service. For first-time users, use the deposit code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, for a 100% welcome bonus up to $200 when signing up with CoolBet. That's code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK, and CoolBet will match your first deposit up to $200. Give our friends at CoolBet Canada a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CoolBet Canada. CoolBet, stay cool and bet responsibly. Right, that was Todd Furman, co-founder and host of Bet the Board podcast and analyst for CBS Sports. Make sure to give him a follow on social media. He is great. He is one of the, he hosts probably one of the best sports betting podcasts out there. So again, make sure to give his social media a follow. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped. It is football season, baby. You know what that means? It means we're going for two years with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to. It's time for you to join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code DOINK, D-O-I-N-K, DOINK at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. It's thrown out the window with all the other trimmers. Now go team that wildcat offense. The world is starting to open up and the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. Inside you'll find their brand new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, plus two free gifts, performance boxer briefs, and the shed. Travel bag, the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure the boys downstairs are smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK, D-E-O-I-N-K, DOINK at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code DOINK at Manscaped.com. Take your ball defense to the promised land with Manscaped. Warren Z, what do you think about the Carolina Panthers? I think I still think they're an up and coming team. Like they're young. They started the year three and oh. Obviously things haven't gone as well since that start the last two weeks. But maybe that maybe they can use this as face a little adversity. A young team, they're getting punched in the mouth here. Uh they're a team I'm really looking forward to watching this week against Minnesota. I think that's kind of a two teams like you gotta prove something here. Lose that game and you're at you could be looking up, struggling to get in the playoffs. So big game for them this week at home. But I overall, I'm still positive about Carolina this season. You know, it's funny. I, the uh, the worst offensive performance in EPA per play was the Philadelphia Eagles last year, last week. The second worst was the Carolina Panthers. The first best offensive performance of the NFL was the, Car- the first defensive performance of the NFL was Carolina Panthers. The second best defensive performance was the Philadelphia Eagles. So they uh, the, it was just good defense, terrible offense. That passes the eye test. <laughs> yeah. Like that game was a hard watch. Pretty funny. Okay, Carolina Panthers. Why I brought that up is because I think they're probably the most overrated football team in the NFL right now. They are 18th in team DVOA. They're 26th in offensive DVOA. Their offense was bad against Philly. Like it, I, I watched the entire game. It was not pretty. The teams they've beaten are the Jets. They only put up 19 points against them. They beat the Saints 26-7, but that was a terrible Jameis Winston game. And then they beat the Texans. Like, that's it. That's their three wins. And then they lost to Dallas and Philly. So, like, they're a really weak three and two team, in my opinion. The Sam Darnold experiment, I don't think, has gone very well. Sam Darnold is now 26th in DVOA. He is 26th ranked in PFF. He's 24th in EPA per play out of all quarterbacks. Their offense last year was 18th in DVOA, I believe. 
After, yeah. So, like, they've gotten worse with Darnold than Teddy Bridgewater. So, look, it's been five games. I think that's a good enough sample size, in my opinion, to give it an opinion here that I think Darnold is a one-and-done quarterback in Carolina. I don't see why he would last longer. They give up a second, fourth, and sixth-round pick for him. If he's going to be this bad, I don't get why they keep him. Well, the really curious decision was that they already picked up his fifth-year option, so they're paying him $20 million next year. Like, he's on the – unless they can somehow move that. But if he comes off a year where he's a bottom-10 quarterback, nobody's going to trade you anything of value. Yeah, so you got to go get someone else. Yeah, but I think – I five games is a sample size, and you've played, like – You've played some better defenses, and he's shown that maybe he's struggling against better defenses. But five games—I'm—I want to give him—I'm going to give him seven or eight games before I start. I say the Sam Darnold experiment can't work in Carolina. Also, remember it's kind of, kind of—they went three zero. They've lost their last two games. They've been missing their best player the last two games. True. I want to see this offense with Christian McCaffrey. I think that him—he's got to be the most valuable non-quarterback offensive player maybe Devonte adams you could make that argument but i think single-handedly christian mccaffrey elevates everybody on that offense just because of how much attention he draws he even helps the wide receivers dramatically because he's the best pass catcher on the team not only the best running back that's fair i think it's too early to say that i don't when looking back on him, when they were three and zero, we were talking about them as a playoff team. That might have been way too early for that. Mm-hmm. But let's see what they look like with McCaffrey. He's fifty fifty to play this week, so that would be a huge get for them. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to uh, to throw Sam Darnold. To the he looked yet. bad. <laughs> he did not match the eye test. Like he didn't look very good at all. He was probably the reason they lost that football game against Philly. He, he was not. He was not there. Who do you think the top-selling jersey is in UK right now? In the in England, you want to take a wild guess? Tell us our boy Cordero. It's Patterson. Zach Wilson. <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence is number two. I don't Aww. know what's going on over there. I mean, it's probably because the the Jets were in England. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, that's probably a Jacksonville's good guess. there this week. So it's Zach Wilson one, Trevor Lawrence two, Tom Brady three, Mac Jones four, Lamar Jackson five. Mac Jones. Mac four. Jones is fourth. Yeah, I don't get why. Wow. I thought that was. I a, never would have guessed that. That was interesting. Um, Buffalo Bills defense, Eric, I think is uh off to a rocket start right now. They are first in team DVOA right now. They are first in EPA per play by .116 points, which is a wide margin. Uh, I think Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, should be a head coach next year. And if he's not, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, this unit is straight up balling. Like, they they have two shutouts already on the year, which is impressive. And then what they did to Patrick Mahomes was probably even more impressive than the shutouts. They They were giving him fits all game. and. They're getting pressure at the quarterback, and it's not just one guy, which is really impressive. Like, they got depth on that defensive line, whether it's the veteran uh, Jerry Hughes or the youngster uh, Rousseau, who's actually Rousseau. Did you see this coming? How good of a player is he? He's off to a good start. Yeah, those are that's a guy we were both pretty low on at the draft. We Mm -hmm. didn't think his body uh, would work as an edge rusher we thought he would have to come into the interior but he's he's on the edge playing extremely well aj epineza's taking a step up 
Ed Oliver is a beast on the inside. Like this D line is deep, and they're they're getting pressure as a unit right now. Yeah, he so he coached three. So Leslie Fraser is leading like the best unit in football right now by far. Their DVOA stats are unbelievable. How like they are like twenty five percent higher than Carolina in second place. Like they are they are the best unit in football, and it's not even close when it comes to defensive DVOA. So Leslie Fraser coached three years back in. Minnesota. I completely forgot about his run yeah. in Minnesota for a bit. Um, and yeah. back in 2010, he was a defensive coordinator in Tampa in 2014. And now he's back in Buffalo. He's been with a winning organization in the last couple of years. I think, like, even last year, I remember the Eagles when they were doing their interviews. I was like, why not just try to talk to this guy? Like, he looks like he's been through it all. Like, I just feel like this is a good guy to lead a football team. I don't, and yeah, well. I, he, he better get a freaking job next year. I think their offensive coordinator will be. Yeah, both. Of, I think both of them should be snipped. Both of them should go get jobs. Yeah, and that speaks to the job Sean McDermott's done as a head coach. Exactly. Um, yeah, they're coached well on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. Um, I have them winning the Super Bowl. So I was uh, very, very worried after week one, after that stinker versus Pittsburgh. But now after last week, I'm feeling great about it. All righty, why don't we jump in a buy or sell? Alrighty, buy or sell. Here we go. The Jacksonville Jaguars will set the NFL record for longest losing streak of all time. They are currently on a 21 game losing streak. The long the current record for longest losing streak is 29 games by the Chicago Cardinals in 1945. Since the AFL NFL merger, the longest record is by the Bucks. In their inaugural season and second season, they lost 26 in a row. So, do you think they can lose more than 29 games in a row? I I keep looking at their schedule. I was looking at it earlier when you gave me this question. I can't figure out. I think there's a win in these next nine games. I just I can't figure out where it is. Okay, so they play they play Miami in is it London this yeah. week? They play Miami in London. Okay, that's a potential win. Then they play the Seahawks the week next week. Potential Geno Smith starting. I think they have a buy in there. Yeah, there's a buy. In, yeah, there's a buy in mixed in there. You're right. Then they got Bills, Colts, 49ers, probably all losses there. Then they got the Falcons, potential yeah. win right there. Rams, Titans beat them. And then it, that ninth game, like you said, that 29th game would be against Houston Texans December 19th. Uh-huh. So I, I'm going to sell this. I, I think I think they win one of these games. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. I think Urban you think Meyer they, you is So like, do you think they, they lose to Atlanta, they lose to Houston, and then they lose to Miami this weekend? We're talking about a team that's lost 21 games in a row. I know, but by my point. But, like, they're not that terrible of a football team this year. They are horribly coached. Like, it's yeah. a... It's a thing in the NFL. Once you lose trust in your coach, everything falls apart. And they don't have talent to begin with outside of the quarterback position. And at that, it's a rookie. Once there's once that trust is lost in your head coach, everything starts to fall apart. And this defense is horrible, it's man. So bad. <laughs> if they're if they are to win a game, it's got to be because Trevor Lawrence just shoots the it's lights. Their second their secondary is like on his historic base right now. Yeah, it's it is so bad. Ugly. So you're buying it. I'm okay. buying it. All right, what you got next? I hope that go lives with Urban Meyer forever. Yeah. Like I hope that those two things. <laughs> I don't are... think he'd make it to that streak. Like I, I don't think uh, he'd make it to December nineteenth. We'll right. see. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buy or sell. The Las Vegas Raiders will make the playoff. Selling this all day, all long, all, all day long. Um, 
no, they're not making the playoffs. I, I, I thought they're overrated. They're a bad football team. Chicago Bears just torched them. Um, I know they had a lot going on, a lot probably in their minds after the John Gruden stuff, but no, selling this. They, they're, not, they're not a top seven team in the AFC. I agree. Look yep. at their, and it's because of their offensive line. Yep. This is a bad, bad O-line, and I can't, in that division, they're just in such a tough division, too. I, I'm selling that all day long. I think the Bears really exposed that O-line this weekend. Khalil Mack was back. Look great. Did you know the Bears have the most sacks in the NFL? I this did season? know that. I meant to bring that up to you. Woo! I meant to bring that up to you yesterday. I completely forgot. How about that? Very, uh, very pleased. Khalil Mack's having that. a bounce back year. He, he was my, he was my, kind of my long shot defensive player of the year pick too. Fire cell. Geno Smith will have the Seahawks at five hundred by the time Russell West or Russell Westbrook. <laughs> you love Russell Westbrook. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Geno Smith will have the Seahawks at 500 by the time Russell Wilson returns. Okay, so it's a six to eight week injury. Okay, so They're... let's let's look at the six week mark. Let's say we're on the early mm-hmm. side. I think he bounces back earlier, sooner than later. He's he's a he's a he's a grinder. So they got Steelers, Saints, Jaguars, Packers, Cardinals, Washington football team. So you gotta win four of those six games. Yeah. Right, correct, because they're two yeah. and three. That's not going to happen. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Geno Smith does well. To be honest, he looked good. Do you think they could beat the Steelers on Sunday Night Football this this weekend? Yes, I think them being underdogs by five and a half is absolutely crazy to me. They're fucked. Like I don't like. Okay, do you what? Do you, what is your Geno Smith take? Like, do you think he's as good as he looked on is, Thursday Night Football? This is my take. I. I think Geno Smith can be okay, but he's a game manager. And this defense is so bad that the way that the only way they were winning games was because Russell Wilson was airing it out like crazy and winning games. I think Geno Smith can be a serviceable backup in this quarter in this league, but not with this defense compared to him because Geno Smith's not going to win games 35 to 31. Like, Yes. Okay. So if he was, if they were to go over five hundred, they'd have to beat Pittsburgh. They'd they'd have to be beat Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Jacksonville, and Washington. It's not that crazy. I'm kind of, I might be retracting my statement here. And then who's the one after Washington? That's it. Those. That's the first six. So that's six weeks right there. Um, This is a tough one. There's a buy mix in there too. I'm assuming he's back by December fifth against the Forty Niners. That's seven weeks away. Eight weeks away. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll stick with. I'll, I'll sell it. I don't think they're gonna be 500. I, I think they're gonna probably go 500 in those six weeks, maybe three and three. Right, there'll the, be one game. Under. What there's this team lacks a lot of defensive talent. Like I was, I was taking a look at the roster. There's not a lot there. Like no. just besides Jamal Williams or Jamal Adams, even Jamal Adams is struggling. Um, they don't have like they have DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. That's basically yeah. Like that's their blue chip talent. Like, they yeah. don't really have much outside the wide receiver position. Their so trenches G- are bad. Yeah, so if Geno Smith can't get the ball to their best players. How are they going to win? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, DK Metcalf's your well. best football player without Russell Wilson on the field. Yeah, it might be one of those situations where the best thing for Seattle this year is, is to the bottom get- out. Exactly. Yeah. All right, what's next? Buy or sell. The Dallas Cowboys will sweep the NFC East this season. Okay, so I was very close to actually saying that the Dallas Cowboys are the best football team in the NFL right now. I was meant to ask you that too at the end. I was, I was going to have a take on it. I actually think they might be, but I'm not 100% sure yet. 
Um, they play the New England Patriots this week. If they beat the Patriots, maybe uh, I'll go there. Um, I'm going to sell it. I think that's hard. I think that's a tough thing to do. Um, you got games against Philly, Washington, two games left against Washington, another game against the Giants, and another game against Philly the last week of the year. The reason why, a big reason why you, you, you should sell is because week 18, they play the Eagles. Are they benching guys in week 18? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to sell it. I, I, think, I think they probably they, they, it, they probably lose one before week 18 to maybe Washington. Uh, like it's really, really, really tough to sweep your division. So I'll, I'll sell it. But yeah. it does, that's not taking anything away from them. I think, they're, again, they're a top three team in the NFL right now. Yeah. That last game, benching people is really the tough one. They're, they're going to beat the Giants again. I think they take two from Washington. Wash, the way Washington's defenses looks, like Cowboys' offense would just obliterate that unit. So yeah. I think I think it's very doable for them. But yeah, you're right. It's likely that that game is meaningless to Dallas unless they're in play for the number one seed, which we know is so important now because they're the only seed that gets to buy. But we'll uh, we'll have to monitor that. But either way, Dallas should take care of the NFC East, no problem. Buy or sell. The Pittsburgh Steelers will make the playoff. This is the one I struggled with the most. I'm going to sell it. I do not trust Ben Roethlisberger, but I think they're at the borderline seventh best team in the AFC. So it's a tough sell, but I think there's a realistic shot that they do make it, but I just don't trust Big Ben. Yeah, there, there's a... I'm selling it as well, but there's a realistic scenario where the last wildcard team in the AFC is like an eight and nine type record. Mm-hmm. Um, So I'm selling it anyways. Cause I just, the more the season goes on, the even more and more big Ben's going to be banged up. I, it's hard to imagine him being more banged up, but it always seems to happen. So, like, so like, do you think they're a better football team than the new England Patriots? I think if they played each other 10 times, the, Patriots win six. Do you think they're a better football team than the Cincinnati Bengals? No, the Bengals crushed them. Do you think they're a better football team than the Denver Broncos? Well, they just crushed the Broncos, so that <laughs> okay, one's but tough, like it's but one a one off game, right? I like think you Denver's s- better overall. Okay. Do you think they're a better football team than the Indianapolis Colts? I probably do, actually. Okay, so if they would need to be better than two of those four teams to finish seventh, basically, in my in my opinion. Because yeah. you, you, you still have the Tennessee Titans, Buffalo Bills, L.A. Chargers, Kansas City Chiefs, Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns. So that would be five. So they'd have to be better than two of those. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. I, I don't think they make the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. AFC's leaning, too top heavy. Leaning that as well. All right. So where we be wrong and where we were right. Just going uh, to do a little re- <laughs> yeah. quick look at our preseason predictions. See where we're accurate and see where we are dead wrong. All right, so where we were right, um, I will start. I was heavy on that the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be a stellar football team this year. Um, as of right now, they are dead last in EPA per play on defense. I, I said this was a problem in the preseason. Um, I said that like I thought they were going to be a wild card team. I did not say that they were going to not make the playoffs. They're two and three right now. It's uh, it's not looking too pretty. They've played some really good football teams. I still think they figure it out, but I believe I was right in saying that the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be an elite football team this year. Um, and the b- big thing I did some research on this one today, I think they're missing Sammy Watkins big time as well. I think he's a big loss as of right now. They did not replace him in free agency. 
they basically were asking, they were looking for a McCall Hardman or Demarcus Robinson or a Byron Pringle to step up into that role. None of them have done that. Out of, if you have at least 25 targets, there are 72 wide receivers in the NFL that have, have had at least 25 targets. Sammy Watkins is 23rd of 72 receivers in yards per route run. Nicole Hardman is 60th. Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson have not had 25 targets yet. So they haven't replaced him. Darnell Mooney's 13th, by the way. Hey! Yeah, so I, not bad. I just want to throw that out there. But yeah, I don't think they replaced Sammy Watkins. They tried to do it internally. Did not work. They didn't really bring any defensive talent. I just I didn't think they had a good offseason. They focused so much on the offensive line. It was kind of an overreaction, like an overfix, in my opinion. It was one bad game. You didn't need to tear it down and spend all your resources there. So, yeah, I think this team could be in trouble if they don't kind of get it together soon, but I still think they'll make the wildcard game. Um, and I had them going out first round in the wildcard game. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with one where I was wrong. And what I have, KC is going to be a dominant team again. And I basically made that prediction because of Patrick Mahomes. Just anytime you have him, I'm taking Mahomes. But you're right, man. This This team does not look good right now. And... The depth at the wide receiver is a major concern, and the defense is such a concern right now. They moved Chris Jones to kind of play the defensive end position. You had an all-pro caliber at defensive tackle. Why would you, why would you move him to the end? Like mm-hmm. I, That move has not paid off at all. Jones missed last week. I'm hoping that when he returns and is healthy, he'll, they'll put him back at the inside where he can wreak havoc. Um, so that's really, I think their only hope at fixing the unit because it's an absolute mess, but that's one area I was definitely wrong. So second one where I was, or should, should I go wrong? I'll go my next one when I was wrong. I was wrong about the Cincinnati Bengals. I had them winning less than six and a half games this year. I think it was actually six. I had them less than, so they're three and two. Uh, Joe Burrow is playing really good football. I didn't think he was going to be this good this quick. Um, Joe Burrow right now is 14th in EPA per play. I know this doesn't sound good, but like his offense isn't giving him much help there. He's ahead of guys like Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill. Um, I- I'm really impressed with what they've done. I'm really impressed with Zach Taylor so far. Jamar Chase has been st- outstanding. Like, you-, you can make the argument maybe it was the right pick to take him fifth. We still won't know but mm-hmm. for a while, but he's playing out of his mind. I am sorry, Cincinnati Bengals fans, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they, they look good. Yeah, they do. All right, where were you right, Ornsey? One area I think I was right was I said Tom Brady's going to win MVP. I think he's going to win MVP. Like, he's off to his best start of his career. PFF has him as the number one quarterback in the NFL currently. 15 touchdowns to two interceptions. Quarterback rating of 108.5. He's already over 1750 yards. I Completion percentage above 66%. He's off to the best start of his career, and he's going to have that narrative of, wow, at 44, Tom Brady just had his best year. Give this man the MVP. I don't think he should be MVP, Mr. Warnsey. I I agree with – I think he's in the running. It's a tight race. I think Lamar Jackson is the MVP of the league right now. Lamar Jackson is the first player with 1,500 passing yards and 300 rushing yards in a five-game span in NFL history. Lamar Jackson's 1,860 combined passing – in rushing yards a season is more than 18 NFL teams. Who is the most valuable to their team right now? It's Lamar Jackson. You you take Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore and you put another quarterback in there, they are not where they are right now. I don't think you can say the same about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
They are stacked on offense. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They have a good offensive line. He's got all the tools to work with. Lamar Jackson's throwing to James Prochet right now. And Sammy Watkins left hurt last game. He was doing it to James Prochet, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, and some be- and, and they also have injuries on the, across the offensive line. I don't know. I, I think he's yeah. the most, I think no, he's the most I, valuable player to his football team right yeah, now. Yeah, that's that's a really really strong argument. I I just think Tampa's going to cruise to a nice 13 and 4 type record, be the number 1 seed and I just feel like the MVP always goes to the team with the number 1 team with the number 1 quarterback. I will agree that I think that narrative is true. Like if you They'll, they'll be just dying to give 44-year-old Tom Brady the MVP. That's exactly yeah. That's going for two. But another guy who's in the running that we didn't mention, I'm going to assume he's uh, part of the where we were wrong category for you, and that would be Mr. Kyler Murray. Yeah, so the second one where I was wrong was the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> just completely whiffed on this take. I had them. To, I, I said before the season that they were going to go 6-11. Uh, and 11. Missed the playoffs, and Cliff Kingsbury would be fired before the end of the season. If that was to happen, they would have to go two and eleven down the stretch. I don't think no one and eleven. One and eleven down the stretch. (laughs) If that does happen, my take could come true because I'm assuming he does get fired. (laughs) But um, that take was trash. Take was garbage. I'm willing to eat that one. Um, That was bad. They're a good football team. Kyler Murray's playing out of his freaking mind right now. He is. uh, He's outstanding. He's very. He's probably. Him and Lamar Jackson are probably the two funnest players to watch in the NFL, I'd say, right now. Like, those guys are kind of must-see TV. I wish they were, I wish Kyler Murray had more kind of primetime games to show his talent because, like, he, he's just, again, every time the Arizona Cardinals are playing, I kind of make sure make, make sure to get, at least get watched some of that game to watch what he's doing. He's outstanding. That takes suck. Cardinals fans, again, I'm sorry. Yeah, they look good. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's probably actually the front-runner for MVP. But yeah, I'm looking forward to watching uh, him play football more. He's he's exciting, must watch. Uh, one more where I was wrong. I said that this Dallas defense was going to be one of the worst units in the league. I thought that they were going to be awful. I thought that bringing in Dan Quinn to fix things was head scratching. But I was wrong. This this defense is making plays and. Micah Parsons has been a really, really nice addition. They're using him as an off-ball linebacker and as a pass rusher. Wherever they put him, he's making plays. Trevon Diggs is arguably the defensive player of the year so far. He's got six interceptions already. I know that that pace is, you can't keep that pace up, but he's balling. Yep. And yeah, I was wrong about this Dallas defense. They're, they're an above-average unit so far. They're a good football. They're such a good football team right now. Like they're they're scary. They're definitely such a threat. I didn't know. No one expected this defense to be this good. So don't feel too bad, boys. No <laughs> one. No one thought this defense was going to be this this good this early. There's still time for them to kind of fall out. But they are doing this without Demarcus Lawrence. Their best, probably their best yeah. defensive players. So like he comes back. Good point. Yeah, I think Dan Quinn has done a terrific job there. And shout out to him. We both did not see that coming. All right, my last where I was right. My my favorite off my favorite take of the offseason was the LA teams. Those LA Rams and the LA Chargers were going to be threats, and they both are. You could argue that those two are the best teams in each conference right now. They're yeah. they're both on fire. Uh, they the Chargers just outdueled the Cleveland Browns, who many people said were the best football team in the AFC. Uh, Brand Staley is arguably the coach of the year right now. Justin Herbert is third ranked in PFF and fifth in EPA per play. He's playing out of his damn mind. Uh, the other LA team, Matthew Stafford, 
right now is right up there as well um, in the PFF and, 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 and EPA per play ranks. He's playing really well. So this, the, both those teams are threats, and we could potentially see an L.A. Super Bowl, which would be pretty funny. But, yeah. Yeah, no, that that's very true. An L.A. versus L.A. Super Bowl in L.A. Yeah. would be <laughs> nuts. I was so close to predicting before the season two, and I didn't. I had them both in the championship games, but I did yeah. not predict them that, to win it. That would have to be more – I still think the craziest, like, odds of probability, what are the odds of two brothers coaching against each other in the Super Bowl? Like when the Harbaugh's did that, yes. like that was mind blowing just in terms of as a numbers yes. guy. What but... about two Hunter Renfro's in sports? No one talks about this. <laughs> I always try to bring this up to people and everyone just pushes me away. There's a Hunter Renfro in the NFL and there's a Hunter Renfro in baseball. How is this possible? And there's probably, both... how many Hunter Renfro's are there in the world? Probably two. They're probably, the loser. are probably it. <laughs> and they're both good. And they're both good <laughs> athletes. Yeah. The world is nuts. The spinning rock runs crazy. Yeah. But the L to throw in the third element of the super bowl being in la just to throw the probability into astronomical numbers that, yeah that's crazy all righty um uh, sorry one more i have okay. one more oh where you got we one were, more okay one more where we were both wrong uh-huh. we said that this year we kind of thought that the teams at the bottom of the league wouldn't be that far to the bottom and the teams at the top of the league wouldn't be that far ahead yeah i think there's some bad football teams and then there's the cream of the crop yeah that's true. Um, I still don't think Jacksonville is that bad of an 0-5 team. I still think Trevor Lawrence is going to win them a couple of games. I still don't think the Texans... I didn't see the Texans getting Tyrod Taylor hurt. If they had Tyrod Taylor playing right now, like if he, like he wouldn't yeah. be that bad. Like he, was, he was playing really good football. Well, Tunsil uh, just went down. Yeah, there. that's true. They're screwed. Like injuries kind of ruined that team right out the gate. They never stood a chance. Uh, I don't, we talked about this last episode. I don't think the Lions are that bad. I think they they could like they should have beaten the Baltimore Ravens and they should have won last week. Yeah, like, and they, they were, could have two wins, right? Yeah, no, they they've been in every game, but I still think at the end of the year we're gonna look at those three teams and they're gonna and throw in the New York Jets in there and even the Giants. Now that the Giants are facing injuries, I think those bottom five teams are real real bad. But anyways. Moving on. All right, Thursday night football is end on this right now. My Philadelphia Eagles are hosting the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, we talked a little bit about this in Eagles talk with D yesterday. You could check that out if you kind of want more of a preview. I don't think this is a good matchup for the Eagles at all. Uh, I think this could get, I'm not saying this could get ugly, but I don't think the Eagles are going to win by, I think the Eagles are going to lose by seven to 14 points. So I'm on Bucks minus six and a half. Um, I think the biggest problem with the Eagles in this game is they've struggled against good quarterbacks so far this year. Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott have both lit up this defense. When they play good quarterbacks, they lose. When they don't play good quarterbacks, they've won. So I, I, I think this could be, I, I predicted 31-20 Buccaneers. Um, I'll stick with that prediction. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with uh, everything you just said there. The injury report came back a little um Good news for Philly with Levante David being ruled out for this game. I yeah. think they're without David Bunt, Murphy Bunting, and Carlton Davis, and it looks like Antoine Winfield Jr. is not going to play. Right, so their secondary is so, banged up. Exactly, and it's, the Levante David one was big for me because I think Jalen Hurts' strength might be going those intermediate up the middle throws to the tight ends, even though Goddard's probably out. Though, yeah, Goddard. It doesn't look like Goddard's going to play, so it'll be Zach Ertz. And honestly. They've had an issue. They just keep rotating these two tight ends. They both play 50% of the time. I think it's been bad 
the way they've done it. Maybe just having one tight end just get in a groove is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. It's going to be, can can uh, Philly put up the points that uh, Tampa does? Um, I'm actually kind of leaning taking Philly in the points. I think that, uh, I think it's going to be a one-score game. Okay, I'll throw my biggest reason why. I think there's going to be issues up the middle on the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, Jack Driscoll did not play very well uh, last week. Leonard Dickerson also didn't play very well. And you got Vita Vea coming to town. And oh. Jason Kelsey struggles against bigger defensive tackles. He doesn't get any bigger and scarier than Vita Vea. Vita Vea, I also does, do think, is a tad overrated. Like, he does kind of get, like, whenever he blows up a play, it gets really hyped. I don't think he's, like, a complete game wrecker. Like, Fletcher Cox used to be, like, like Aaron Donald and, like, Javon Hargrave is right now. I don't think he's a game wrecking guy, but I think he could cause enough problems in the interior to, to be an issue for the Eagles offensive line and just the offense in general. Because like, Jason Kelsey, like, he always struggles against bigger defensive tackles, and this is as big as... Right. Big as it gets. And I know you're a Vita Vea guy, so I might have just changed your I, whole, uh, whole theory on this whole game, did I not? Maybe, but <laughs> I, I actually think, though, that the playbook is out on Tampa right now. Don't run the ball. Like, r- when Vita Vea has plus matchups like that, running the ball is a wasted down. I think Sirianni hopefully puts Hurts in positions to succeed by... I, Call me crazy, they should throw the ball 40 times in this game. Yeah, and that's like, what they've been doing. Like they that, refuse I, to run the ball anyway, so this I, goes right into the game plan. I just, I don't know, I just, I think they might get points. I said 31-20, maybe 41-30 might be the like, better. I, I think it's going to be similar to the Chiefs game. Tampa's going to get theirs, and yeah. you're going to have to, you're going to, you're hoping for like a block punt, or like a punt return touchdown, um, something along those lines, like a, maybe a pick six, um, getting Brady on like a bad throw, but I, I just, I, before the season, I circled this game. I didn't think it was going to be a good matchup for the Eagles. And I'm going to stick with that. Before we go, anytime touchdown bets. Really, really like my card going into Thursday Night Football this week. Miles Sanders plus 200. Pff, sign me up with that. Why is he starting running back at plus 200? I know he, he still played 76% of the snaps last week. I, 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 think, that's, I think that's just disrespect. Uh, I, I, once I saw plus 200, I immediately hit that bet. Uh, Quez Watkins at plus 300. Really like that one. And uh, I'm going with Cameron Brait plus 320. The Bucks are a really, really tough team to get value on. Um, if you want to maybe look at like a Mike Evans, two plus touchdowns or something like that, that probably might be a better, like that's might be some value there, but they're a really tough team to find anytime touchdown value on. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, weekend Wagers will be back on Friday. Um, I will not be doing Eagles Aqua Deep tomorrow because it is an Eagles game. So we only did one episode of this week. Make sure to tune in on Friday and we'll talk to you later.